0: The Around the League podcast is afraid of ice cream headaches and clowns.
2: Welcome to another edition of the Around the League podcast. I'm Greg Rosenthal and I am Jewish and I'm joined by a room full of <laughs> heroes Mark Sessler, Chris Wesseling. We missed Dan Hansis. He's out of the mix today and we're still thinking of him. What is happening? Hey, Greg.
1: Well done. Greg was a little concerned about his opener out of the gate, and he did a pristine job there, I thought. Very well done.
2: You've got to mix it up. What's going on this Friday? What? Does it matter if you're Jewish? No, I don't know. It just oh. popped into my head.
1: Oh, okay. Let's get these topics into the very top of the show here <laughs> so that anyone listening has no idea what this podcast well, is about. I'm
2: having trouble focusing because I just had a disturbing incident as I was uh, coming into the studio. I was at the urinal and someone was checking their phone at the urinal I, I think that's that's too much
3: yeah it's a little much Do you ever almost see almost it's almost as too
2: much as talking about the urinal on a podcast i'm just saying <laughs> it kind of reminds me of the movie her which is a great movie it's like you have to be connected at every moment we need I, a podcast segment
3: greg's indie movies that's not that indie what's well, her well, i i saw that film too Oh, well then you kill- can be the Siskel and Ebert of
2: Greg's <laughs> in- indie movies Well, our group is all, all mixed up today Because not only are we without Dan Hansus, Who of course is on paternity leave for a little while uh, Again, congrats to him and Emily they're, they're heading home today from the hospital Which is a great day We're also without our producer, TD But we've got Zachariah in the mix Back!
3: What's going on? Good to have you. It's good to be Jewish, by the way. I'm also Jewish. so I don't know. I I understand. I don't understand the whole uh, peeing while you're checking your uh,
1: phone.
2: Right. I don't know. Maybe it's not an appropriate podcast topic, but I was disturbed by it. That doesn't bother you? Have you ever seen that at work?
1: I will. I didn't say it didn't bother me. I do agree with uh, your assessment that people are becoming far too attached to technology. (laughs) I think most of the people listening to this probably... uh, are ignoring family members in the other room while they listen to this. I don't judge other people's bathroom behavior. I have a one-track mind when I get in in
3: there. (laughs) Just look straight at the wall and not at anyone else.
2: (laughs) That's fair. Well, if you're a regular listener, you'll remember Zach uh, guest-produced our podcast a couple times a few weeks ago, did a great job, so he's going to be filling in for TD the next couple of shows while TD is out. And, uh, Zach, why don't we do a little news? All right, let's start in Chicago where the Bears won the preseason game last night, 20-19 to 19 over the Jaguars, but we don't really care about the scores. because Dan would be proud of you for slipping the scores. I know. It? I don't know why I bothered because it was Jordan Palmer leading a comeback. Who cares? The Jaguar starters actually got the lead, and the real story was the quarterback position for the Jaguars. Chad Henney came out there, looked pretty good. Blake Bortles came out there. Looked even better. 12, 11 for 17, 160 yards. Does Blake Bortles deserve to be starting for the Jaguars, Mark Sessler?
1: Well, I mean, let's be honest. We there, Yesterday in the newsroom, the three of us sitting there pounding out one post after the next. And in the middle of this, a sandwich bet. Proposition. Rose to the surface, a proposition, a sandwich proposition. Basically, I put the I would said the that, that Bortles would be starting by week three, which I feel even more strongly about after last night. You guys said he would not. Week three of the regular season. Of the regular of season. Just to clarify. of the real season. Mark
3: gets two lunches if this happens
2: from each of you. If it does not happen, we only get one lunch. That's true, and I'm feeling very comfortable despite Bortles really looking great again, because. You know, Coach Gus Bradley announced on Friday that Blake Bortles will be the backup in week one. Chad Henney is definitely starting the regular season opener, although Bortles will get in the mix and take some first-team reps in practice this week.
1: Well, see, that's the point, though. At week one, I think, no question, Henney's going to be the week one starter. But what the what they're leaving Jaguars fans with, a fan base that hasn't had a serviceable quarterback in a decade, they haven't had a franchise-type core. That's what they're seeing in in, in little wisps and little moments from Bortles. <laughs> it is an alien vision to them. They have fallen in love with it, and you're going to try to sell that fan base that we're going to give you Chad Henney for 16 games? Two weeks will be enough to make the switch. Well, what are we seeing out of Blake Bortles? Uh, a little bit of a Big Ben-Carson Palmer hybrid? Yeah. Seems
2: yes. like he has
3: the throwing motion of Carson Palmer. But the mobility and size, uh, pocket movement of Big Ben—that sounds like a fun combination. It is. It's and a very—he can make
2: a lot of throws that Chad
3: Henney cannot make.
2: Someone on Twitter last night actually pointed out how his drop back and his throwing motion was so similar to Palmer, especially his footwork. And I was like, not something we probably would have noticed. And Joe, Joe
3: Goodberry. And then pointed that out. Someone
2: pointed out, well, Jordan Palmer coached him. All off Jordan Palmer, who's now fighting for a job on the Bears who he faced last night, was out of a job in the offseason, and he was basically starting a second career as a quarterback tutor,
1: and I
2: guess, I guess it's worked.
1: Good I, advertisement for Jordan. I just think, you know, in the Jaguars, number one, their, their mode and what they were trying to do out of the gate with Bortles, I think we all—admirable. It's like you don't want to throw a guy into the fire on a team that might not be ready to compete roster-wise, but listen— NFL coaches don't have a long enough leash to sit a franchise quarterback for a year and put Chad Henney in his place. This Everyone keeps talking about Favre and Aaron Rodgers. This has nothing to do with that ancient situation. This is Chad Henney standing in his way.
2: <laughs> I get what you're saying, but if the directive is coming from the general manager, the leash doesn't matter. Well, they said they'll know when he's ready, and he has looked as good as possible. I think we're almost underplaying it. You can only get so much from three or four— uh, quarters of preseason action. But Bortles has made more great passes, like I said last time, than the rest of the rookie quarterbacks combined. And he's looked as good as possible. It, he's making plays on the run. He's very accurate in the pocket. He's been good against uh, pressure in his face. Now you've got to see what he does against good defenses. And when they throw blitzes, That that's all different. But he couldn't look any better. I was not particularly excited about
1: the Blake Bortles era, and now I am. It's like you go you – go t- let's say you go 10 years without a solid girlfriend. I'm working on okay, that. Okay. Well, and then you – Stop. That's then, not true no, And at then all. someone comes into your Wesleyan, life, right?
2: Wesley always acts by the way that, like, he struggles to get girls and that you always have a girlfriend. So let's, let's back it off a little bit. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not right now, but
1: you know what I'm saying. All right. But let's say you find that you know this is the one. What do you know? You know what? No, I'm going to go back, and I'm going to have you go. (laughs) I'm going to have you go back to your apartment for the next year. We'll see how it goes. I'll continue to date low-level, nonsensical women. (laughs) The Jaguars found. They found it. Their dream girl. And I think. And I'm not killing the team. I think that Caldwell is smart enough, and so is Gus Bradley. We're going to have to change the plan we came up with months ago. We found our quarterback. I thought it was interesting, Jeff. NFL Media's Jeff Darlington.
3: Talked to uh, David Caldwell in the offseason about this plan to redshirt portals. And he said, What What if you see 83 Dan Marino? <laughs> then what? It's a high bar. And Caldwell's, Caldwell's answer was, Well, no. Well, it seems like we're getting pretty close to 83 Marino here. It, well, <laughs> as far as what you can show in two, what you could possibly show in three season
2: games. Easy there. And I think that's why they're giving him first team reps in practice that, this week. That That's a change. And I'm just excited because the Jaguars are going to be watchable again. I mean, their defense is fun to watch. Yeah, they're interesting. And Bortles, once Bortles is starting, I'm going to want to see that. I, I liked Byron Leftwich early in his career, so I, can't, I did too. I, I was can't, a
3: huge Leftwich fan.
2: I can't say that Bortles is the most exciting or the first time we've ever been excited about a Jaguars card, but it's the first time since then since early Leftwich. Get
1: one, excited! One guy that concerns me a little bit after I spent uh, many hours singing his praises in the off season is Toby Gearhart because he looks to me a little bit like a run, a one-trick pony that uh, is not... They're going to have to have other maybe things should, going on in the running game.
3: Maybe all of the clips that you watch in the offseason mean more than his six carries in a preseason game when three of them came on pitches outside that the the Bears' defense just swarmed Well, that's
1: I guess that's my concern a little bit, is that he's not going to be able to do anything like that for you. They just have to find someone else that gives them those kind of outside runs. He's not an outside runner. He's not, no. And you have to also... I think, point out
3: that he's coming off a hip injury, which probably we saw what a hip injury did to Ray Rice's lateral movement last year.
2: Well, that's not a good that, that's, <laughs> that's not concerning. a good sign. That's very concerning.
3: Why? I mean,
1: give him a, a week or two to get back into okay. shape. Well, but, it's not as serious as a hip injury this time around. Right. right. So, Aaron Robinson looks like a running back. He looks good. He looks bigger to me.
2: They gave him the outside runs that Gerhardt wasn't good at. I, I don't know if he's going to be great, but just the fact that you're a college quarterback— that is, I think, now going to establish a career as a legitimate NFL running back that's on some rosters for a few years. Like, he looks like a real player. It's kind of exciting. Any other big thoughts from the Bears' side? Any big takeaways?
3: Uh, Their run defense looks improved, but how could it not be? The pass defense gave up 250 yards in the first half to the Jaguars, who were without
2: two of their top three receivers. Did Jimmy Clausen excitement dip back down a little bit? He, I thought he still looked he okay. He looked decent. He looked adequate. I mean, this for Cla- a this Klaus and Palmer battle—it's tearing up the it's country. Juicy. I mean, it's, it's a little divisive, though. I mean, we've got half the country on one side, half on the other. Families
1: aren't talking to each other. But it's good for the nation because often, you know, what we find is we come out of these conflicts having grown. <laughs> yes. Moving on to other
2: news, other than last night's game, the big story today in the newsroom: Dwayne Bowe couple of stories actually. We'll start with the big one which is that he's suspended for the first game of the season related to a marijuana arrest last year and we also had a report before that that his finger is injured and Andy Reid wasn't too happy about that and saying that basically Bo uh, hasn't been able to catch passes very well and his fingers all messed up and so these are a couple things that are bad with Dwayne Bo. This is a receiver group that already was struggling.
3: Yeah, I mean, Dwayne Bow was not a one re- number one receiver last year. Most people would not consider Donny Avery a good number 2, and their number 3 is either Junior Hemingway, Mark's favorite, <laughs> or undrafted
2: Albert Wilson out of Georgia State. Oh my gosh. What about uh AJ Jenkins, former former uh first round pick there?
3: I don't think anybody considers him a viable
1: Maybe it's time starter. to dial up the concept of a 90-catch season for Travis Kelsey. Ooh. <laughs> I, I like that. that. I like that you said some people wouldn't consider Donnie
2: Avery a good number two receiver. I mean, let's get up. Let's get on with it, Wesley. And he, he's a terrible number two receiver. <laughs> and you think that. You don't need to say some people. I,
3: I
1: would rather not have, have him as my number two, but I thought there were times last year when he outplayed Bo. Okay. And by the way, it's not Donnie Avery's fault that he's been thrust into the number two job. This is a front office that did zero to improve this position group. You know, they all see offseason long acted like we're content with what we have at wide receiver. What you have is a Dwayne Bow that looks, you know, maybe he he had a couple up and down moments at camp. People said there have been good stuff from him, but in general, a guy that's been untracked since he signed that contract. Why do you draft nobody in the deepest receiver class we've seen in years? Why do you add nothing for Alex Smith to work with?
3: Because they have a secret weapon named Albert Wilson. Mm, you love Albert Wilson. Well, He was one of the most highly sought-after undrafted free agents. Uh, the, oh, that's
1: how they're going to roll.
3: Georgia State's defensive coordinator, Jesse Minter, whom I met on Tybee Island, a uh, um, really good guy, told me the guy was a playmaker, and I trust Jesse Minter.
1: Well, I trust that, too. I guess my concern about Kansas City's passing game was ill-placed.
2: Well, <laughs> Alex Smith, I think, should <laughs> They're going to be fine. Albert Wilson's going to solve it all. Albert, Alex Smith should sign that contract. If I'm my Alex Smith's agent and I'm looking at this mess, just take the money because you're going out there week one against the Titans, you know, not the greatest defense ever, but some good players in the secondary.
3: Reading what, what we no- ha-
2: Bo, I I don't know. Reading what we
3: have about this story, don't you think it's more Alex Smith uh, being stubborn and digging in his heels than the agent? Like, Alex Smith, from what we've heard, truly believes he's a franchise quarterback and wants to be compensated accordingly.
2: I think it's all agents when it comes to these things. And if if he's saying that, that's coming more from the agents into his mouth. You know what I mean? That's what they're paid to do. If Alex Smith is negotiating the contract, that's a problem. Don't you think? Well, he gets
3: to say yes or no. Like, if the agent comes to him and said, "Here's what the Chiefs are offers, offering," Smith gets to say, "No, I don't like that." Well,
2: look, he has an agent that's basically signed the biggest quarterback deals in NFL history. You know, Peyton Manning, Carson Palmer. That's they're not looking for that type of thing. But this is an agent that's not going to do these, you know, year by year things. They don't like that idea. And to me, it's probably the agent selling Smith on that idea. But couldn't you see a scenario where the Chiefs' offense stinks? And then that ruins uh, yes. ruins his value.
3: Here's the scenario. Jamal Charles gets injured. Right. Then they're then they're one of the then worst offenses in the NFL. That's
1: right, from top to bottom. Because hey, let's remember the offensive line, they let some people go. I don't that's know if it, it was an off season where they said, We're gonna take a very long nap, we'll wake up in early July and let's, you know, rejoin then and see what happens. Well, you know what? You missed a few things along the way. Including adding talent to an offense that was sort of a mirage. <laughs> and this this news
2: isn't just bad for the Chiefs in week 1 it's bad for Dwayne Bow long term because he now loses the guaranteed money in his contract and there might even be someone in the Kansas City Chiefs front office that's happy about the suspension because someone you think everyone I
1: think multiple people I think it's great for the team I think
3: there might have been a high five or two exchanged in the hallway when they found out that 10.75 million next year is not guaranteed and the guy that we paid as a top five re- receiver and played like a top forty tight end, <laughs>
2: relax. <laughs> is no longer a competitive disadvantage if they don't want him to be.
1: He'll be off the team in seven months.
2: He probably will be. I don't expect Dwayne Bow to be with the Chiefs next season. And the only counter to that is he's still the best wide receiver on the team. That's why he's there in the first place, right? Getting all this money. They still don't. You still have to replace him.
3: Do you know where Cleveland Browns general manager, Ray
1: Farmer, came from? I'm seeing all this on Twitter. I know (laughs) he came from Kansas City, and they have a lot of cap room, and there's people talking about the fact that there's a match here, that Cleveland needs a wide receiver, one that's broken his finger 15 times and has a one-game suspension for marijuana. Yeah. Because they don't have those issues already. Cleveland,
2: they have a big need for pot-smoking wideouts. (laughs) But you are right. That that have had, had, you know... Work ethic question. <laughs> Wesleyan is let's correct pre- that hey, the link pre- is there. Hey, let's see if Devon Best wants to come back this year.
1: But often when we, see, <laughs> when we see player transactions that drive us nuts, it's because there is that in-house connection where you're like, why did they go get that player? Why, who believes in him there? Oh, wait, there is someone that believes in him. Moving
2: on to Baltimore where <laughs> Steve Smith, you know, maybe he's lost a step or two over the years, uh, but he has not lost anything in the mouth department. Still the best quote in the NFL. And there's really no news to hook this on. We just like The best Steve. trash talker since Muhammad Ali. Wow. Wait a minute. That, that is a bold statement. And as proof, we'll read what he says today when he was asked why he feels like he's a perfect fit in Baltimore. And you know what? He really is a perfect fit he as, is. A, as a Raven. And he, he said to CSN Baltimore, when I look in the de- defensive meeting room and I see play like a Raven in Baltimore Ravens, we build bullies. That's what I'm talking about. When I think of a Baltimore Raven, what I think of is you go in there, we take your lunchbox, we take your sandwich, we take your juice box, we take your applesauce, we take your spork, and we break it. And we leave you with an empty lunch. That's the Baltimore Raven way. That's the bully way. And that's football.
1: Well, as, I'm fired uh, up. I want to put on some pants and play. I'm glad you're fired up. And as a as a Full former hearts. Browns Can't fan lose. who watched the Ravens yanked out of Cleveland, I'm glad to see that their mantra is "We build bullies." <laughs> after what the league was doused with last year, how about uh, the organization gets in step with where the league is? Mm, lighten up, Francis. I'm kidding. It. All. <laughs> I couldn't care less. I mean, I think everyone. Uh, good for him. He, you know, it's a good move for Steve Smith. We were saying on downstairs, I don't, I don't know if there's a better landing spot for him this season. Because A, it's not last year's offense, it's Kubiak's offense. They'll find a way for him to produce. I've only heard
3: good things about him coming out of training camp that he looks great.
2: Yeah, people saying that Smith has made a lot of vertical plays, beating cornerbacks deep when they had joint practices against the 49ers, when he's going against are the we, Ravens' corners.
3: Are we sure he couldn't beat cornerbacks deep last year? Because I never saw him get a chance to run vertical routes anymore last year.
2: They didn't try. And now when they do, he's just going to take your juice box.
1: And according to Wesley, he, he looks taller now, you've told us. <laughs> he does.
2: And so. I mean, I don't know if that's scientific, but he looks taller. I mean, that is, He's got, got it, it going on. That's an all-time quote. It reminds me a lot of um, There Will Be Blood when he talks about you know taking your milkshake. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Maybe that was a little bit of a inspiration. Take your applesauce. We're going to
3: leave you with an empty lunchbox.
2: <laughs> that, to me, is going to be the title of the NFL Films video about the Ravens at the end of the year. Like, we take your spork, we break it.
1: Do they still do those? Yeah. I used to order those like through the they mail, like do. a VCR tape, every year religiously. I would order my uh, Cleveland Browns year in review. I think they show it minute video
2: on like ESPN seven at midnight in the middle of May. You'll just see a random NFL Films presents, you know, the two thousand thirteen Ravens. What a letdown, or whatever it's called. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Uh, let's move on to another quarterback battle, Vikings. We'll start Matt Castle in the second preseason game, no surprise. They're going to play him the, the whole first half, is our report from NFL there's media. There's a chance. said there, there's a good chance the idea will be to play Teddy Bridgewater with the backup. So whether it's the first half or the second half, when the backups come in, that's when Teddy Bridgewater comes in. And he had a quote this week saying that he's overthinking things. Are we concerned about the Teddy Bridgewater era?
3: Well, I think he's just not ready now. I don't think this means he won't be good in the future. It seems like his head, he's swimming a little bit. And I thought the Mike Zimmer quote to USA Today was pretty telling. I love Teddy Bridgewater, Zimmer said. I love
1: him. I think he's going to be tremendous, and I don't know when. And they don't need to rush the guy. I mean, they actually have a better bridge quarterback, if that's the term we want to use, than, uh, than Jacksonville does. Cleveland. Well, I mean, Cleveland's, we don't know, I would say we don't know what Brian Hoyer is, but we don't, we know he's not an all-star. He's a guy that has started four more games in his career than Manziel. But Castle has started some games. Castle's been in a couple of different systems. I mean, he's been around the block. That's not a guy I have a problem rolling out for eight games. And then maybe if the, if the house burns down, you throw Bridgewater in then. He, he could use a little more time.
2: It's interesting because a week ago, this competition, we thought Bridgewater might be starting week one. Now it's over. It feels all but over. I think something crazy would have to happen this weekend for Castle not to be named the starter early next week.
3: Bridgewater would
2: have to play like Blake Bortles. Or yeah, Matt, that's right. Matt Castle would have to play like. Like Matt
1: Jordan Castle Palmer. usually plays? Well, <laughs> and, and part of it is Stop. because the coaching. You got Norv Turner every week with a laundry list of quotes saying that Teddy Bridgewater just couldn't be more polished, he couldn't be more advanced. And then they get on the field and then it's like these quotes don't really mean anything.
2: Well, you know, Matt Castle, by the way, only played six started six games last year. In one of those games, the team scored 40 points. In the other in another one of those games, they were down 17 to 3 and beat the Bears on a big comeback. He did not play that poorly last year. Wesleyan always likes to trash Matt Castle.
3: Why did they draft a the first-round quarterback?
2: It's not great. There you go. Uh. He's better than five or six starters out there.
3: <laughs> no, you say that about 12 different guys. All right. Including Tavars Jackson. <laughs> how many guys could be better than five or six guys out there? Tavares Jackson. Especially
1: when one of them isn't Chad Henney anymore. You're not going to have that guy to kick around because he's going to be a number two. It was criminal how low you ranked
2: T-Jack in the back of quarterback. Range.
3: I've seen Tavares Jackson as a starter for many games. And I don't need to see that ever again.
2: <laughs> you, m- you might not ever see <laughs> You've that You've had again. enough of
1: that dish. Yes.
2: We also aren't going to see Charles Sims, the third-round draft pick of the Bucks, out 12 to 14 weeks after surgery on his right ankle. They'll do the surgery uh, today on Friday. And it's a big loss for them in their backfield. They were hoping that Sims would add a little pop.
3: Their running backs coach compared him to – Matt Forte, he wasn't the only one to make that comparison. He looked like he was going to be the passing down guy to compliment Doug Martin. So I think they, they had significant plans for him.
1: Yeah, you know, our friend uh, Daniel Jeremiah was at Buck's camp, and what he over and over just emphasized that Sims has had a really nice camp and that the coaches trusted him. That's, you know, if you find out that running backs are going to get a role early on, they have to see you as a complete back. that can do a lot of different things, and I think they viewed him that way. I liked Mike James last year, but it was in spot work. But he came in; he had like a hundred-plus yard game, and looked very good in one start. And don't forget, <laughs> little track star Jeff Demps.
2: Oh my God! All right,
1: but I'm listen. He's you know Is he going to make the team? He, no, probably not. But that guy's found a way to. Ha- How many people can hang around in the NFL I for three plus chance. years he's without got a good doing chance a thing? To make the team. This helps. It does help. I mean, they've got Bobby Rainey. And Doug Martin. I, Bobby Rainey is, is, was a, a midseason signing guy last year that played for, like, four teams. The Jeff, Browns dumped him to go with him. Willis McGahee and Edwin Baker. After the Ravens dumped him.
2: Jeff Demps has had the highest posts to lack of production ratio since any player since the last couple of since years at Tebow, Tebow, I was going to say.
1: <laughs> I'd put Weedon up there.
2: Actually, you know who would be another candidate for this category? Terrell Owens, Chad Johnson? No. <laughs> they had plenty of production. I'm talking about podcast favorite, Colt Lyerla. Oh. Oh. Look at the transition. Trans- on was this. solid. Segway. You did You didn't think we were going to get Colt Lyerla back in the show, but it's Dan Hansis' favorite player, and we just wanted to give him a little present. Hey, Dan, Colt is injured. Torres, MCL, and PCL. I know you don't want to be celebrating injuries, but – this is We got we to gotta at least close the book on the Colt Lyerla story.
3: I would imagine they would put him on the season-ending IR. That's a pretty serious injury, and they go seven deep at tight end. I was wondering if he was going to make the roster anyway. But the reason why people are so enamored with this guy, that I saw a screen grab of the play in which he got injured, and he was hurtling two defenders with his legs sprawled out spread eagle style almost and he was about 4 feet up in the air. It was just
1: an, a really athletic play. Well, and I know, you know, there was it was he was more mocked almost for some of the stuff that was written about him where they talked about him being having the athletic, you know, prowess of a Jimmy Graham, of a Rob Gronkowski and we'll have to wait to see if he it's almost probably if he gets stashed away for a year, it might actually benefit him because I think you're right. That is such a deep tight end group. After we thought it wouldn't be, you know, let going into the off season, that maybe this is a way to stick with the team. Yeah, we'll see, I, I agree. but I
2: agree. I don't think it'll be bad for him. This way, he can get the medical treatment with the team throughout the season instead of just being cut and you know thrown to the wind. So we'll talk about Colt probably in 2015. So look forward to that. <laughs> Finally, let's wrap up the news with Brian Hoyer starting the second preseason game for the Cleveland Browns over Johnny Manziel. Or were you surprised when you found this out, Mark?
1: Well, I thought it was surprising because our network had learned from a pretty good source that it was going to be the other way around. That Manziel will get the start. Now, who knows? Maybe Peden bumped at that well, news. Way to just
2: throw people under the bus, there, Mark.
1: What? Our network had this. I mean, we put it in our posts, and that's <laughs> and, you know these things change, yeah. right? These things change, and I mean maybe it has to do with something that is a committee. They're making these decisions. I don't think it matters that much. They talked about Ian suggested they may go series for two series for two series to get, you know, both of them facing number 1 defenses. Who cares who's out there for the first 5 minutes versus if they switch someone in after? I just, I think this is going to figure itself out.
2: I've never seen a statement released by a team not only announcing the preseason starter but breaking down the snap counts that they wanted to make sure everyone knew Johnny Manziel and Brian Hoyer were going to have equal snap counts. And I guess that just, that's Johnny Manziel in a nutshell that they felt, I don't think that was necessary, but they felt like it was necessary to release a statement. saying This is a
1: team that has gone for what, 20 years being in the darkness. No media cares what they do. And suddenly they're being barraged for information and you're, they're learning how to do it. I think Pedden, give him some credit. I think he's handled the entire summer pretty well. I I totally agree. But, Chris Wesseling, when you heard this news,
2: and for any new listeners to the show, Chris Wesseling has put up really his manhood and his health and his safety for Johnny Manziel starting in Week 1. Chris Wesseling will eat his softball pants if Brian Hoyer is the Week 1 starter at the we Cleveland will Browns. Chris Wesseling
4: eat his softball pants?
2: Starting to think the answer is yes.
3: You're not starting to. You were on record as saying that it would be yes. Uh, I don't like this news, but like Mark said, it probably doesn't mean a whole lot. And like I've said all along, it really comes down to how they play on the field. If Manziel can't outplay Brian Hoyer
1: in the preseason, then I deserve to eat myself both hands. I mean, they talked about naming a starter next Tuesday. I think this Redskins game, that Manziel needs to come in and do some stuff that – you know, turns barroom of watchers absolutely into into water. They have to... He's, he's got to... He's got to... <laughs> into it. I don't know what he... Like he's the got to, Wicked Witch. <laughs> he's absolutely got to... He's got to come he in need, and impress and be who they thought he could be. He needs to be, like,
2: have godlike powers or something? Turn people into I liquids? I think the
1: thing about Manziel that has people... Why is the entire nation fascinated with the guy? It's because of that strange playmaking ability and that unusual talent. That's why Brian Hoyer is... All he has to do is Manziel just has to do what he can do, and Hoyer's number two.
2: Hashtag chaotic rivers. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if if I was you, Chris, my big concern now is that I think the tie is going to Hoyer, and I would I didn't know that going into camp. I thought Manziel would start week one. I just thought you were taking a little bigger risk than you thought, and I thought that a tie would have gone to Manziel, and right now it seems like the tie is going to go to Hoyer, and right now they're, they're essentially tied. Would there's, you disagree with any of that? There's no ties. One's going to outplay the other. We're waiting for it. It hasn't happened in practice. didn't happen in the first preseason game. It's basically all on Monday night. Nationally televised. Johnny
1: likes to play to the limelight. Woo! He likes to play to the limelight. And I think Shanahan, their offensive coordinator, I think Shanahan wants... Man, I think they built an offense for Manziel. That's not because they thought, oh, maybe he'll play in late November. Mm. The, the X factor here might be, oh, they're going into Pittsburgh week one. That is a rough assignment for rookie quarterbacks. Dick LeBeau kills rookie quarterbacks. He has his whole career. They know that. That's why maybe Hoyer wins if there's a so-called tie. Well, you also have to worry a little bit, I think, as a
2: Browns fan, that there is a disagreement over who should start. That you know, That's how sometimes things get out there and – there are different camps of who wants who, and that that has to be a little bit of a concern in in Cleveland, and that's why they probably do want to announce the starter after this game, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, but if a quarter, if they, if Mansell ends up starting, and wins games, all these disagreements, yep. all this stuff, it melts away. Right now, they don't have someone playing like Blake Bortles. That's when suddenly all this stuff starts to clear up. That's what they don't have yet.
2: Yeah, I said on Twitter last night if. Imagine if Johnny Manziel was playing as well as Blake Bortles, like NFL Network would cancel all programming for the rest of the month. It would just be the Manziel Network. We would that's have all, to
3: hurry and rush out a new channel, the Manziel Channel.
1: <laughs> We've seen a lot more of Bortles than Manziel. We really didn't see much of Manziel. That's last true. Game.
2: That's totally fair. And I mean, I'm excited. I, I, look, I'm rooting for you to not eat the pants. I want to see Johnny Manziel start week one. Yeah, so no, no, who no offense. Who doesn't want? Who wants to see Hoyer start week one? It's not as fun. Ninety percent of the national media. <laughs> that seems to be true. And the Cle- I don't the, know the Cleveland and the media Cleveland beat Hoyer. Why I is th-
1: that? I'll, I, I mean, not to go on about it, but you have to. This isn't New England that's coming off endless winning. This is Cleveland that has been hasn't won a championship in any sports in sixty four. Brian Hoyer is a local kid who plays playing the role of the veteran who's working his ass off. And, and and there there's no it's not hard to see why the locality is warming up to that. It's myopic though. That's fair, but it's not. But we'd be myopic to not understand why Cleveland wouldn't latch on to a local boy that came up and did a nice job in general last season compared to the other junk they had. He at the should position. be rewarded with a backup job. Which he hasn't
3: really had throughout his career. And he probably
1: will be. I mean, he hasn't had backup jobs. But the question is, why does Cleveland like a a local boy that did well in high school there and has the values they they admire? I understand understand why they like
3: him. I understand why they adore him. I just think you should be happy that he's a backup. It's something that he hasn't had the last few years. That's a good rule for him.
1: And that's a good rule for Chad Henney when the Jaguars fan base is going to have to be told a bitter pill to swallow. We're going to (laughs) sit this young Big Ben for 16 games, keep buying tickets, keep sitting in our pool. I don't think so. Well said.
2: Finishing the news on a strong note. With Dan not here, by the way, I think we just set a record for the longest news segment ever. That was bound to happen. It was fun. It was fun. Who doesn't like the news? There are no boundaries. We still got time, and... uh, I should have mentioned this at the top, but we're going to unveil a new segment here, probably a one-time segment. We'll do it again next year. The teams we disagree on the most, the lightning rod teams. Hashtag lightning rod. Of the NFL. And as part of our season preview, which will be starting Monday on the Around the League page, NFL.com slash ATL we're going to be previewing division by division and along with that we'll say where they're going to finish in their division and then our overall around the league prediction in terms of their rank whether we see you know the, the power 49 index whatever you want to call it power rankings whether the 49ers even if they're in second place whether they're a top 5 team in the NFL and so we all submitted our rankings this week and i thought it'd be fun to take a look at them and see where we disagreed The most. This is the kind of master
3: puppeteer that Greg is. (laughs) He has not allowed Mark and I to see the results. Mark and I don't even know which teams we disagree on.
2: I don't even remember my own power rankings. I like to set up a situation where you guys just come into natural conflict with each other. It's like a chem lab, and Greg is adding magnesium. All right, let's get this one started then with one of the teams you disagreed on the most, and that is the subject of Hard Knocks, the Atlanta Falcons. Chris Wesseling... Likes a bounce back for Atlanta, 15th overall in his power rankings. Basically sees them as a middle-of-the-pack team. Mark foresees disaster, 27th for Atlanta. That is harsh, Mark. Why, why the Falcons hate? Uh,
1: to start, they play in a dome, <laughs> which automatically is a negative 7 uh, for my power rankings. <laughs> That's fair. I'll tell you what, I, I guess, you know, and from what little I've gleamed of Hard Knocks, which I've not been able to see in full, because uh, I don't have the deluxe cable package like some people, uh, but all this, we're going to get tougher. We're going to get tougher. It's so like you have to keep telling football players that. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I buy it. Um, there's no question that the Matt Ryan, Julio Jones scenario it has a chance to be, compl- you know, outrageous in the NFC. I think it could lead the league in receiving yards. It wouldn't shock me. But Atlanta doesn't have much in the run game that excites me. I don't like their offensive line a whole lot. They don't have anything else. It's going to be doing three wide receiver sets all year long. I don't know. In general, the overall team, I think this is it for Mike Smith. Wow. Who, who doesn't run three years, three wide receiver sets all year long? They don't—I think taking any sort of a playmaking tight end out of that offense is a concern for me. There's just—you know, I, I, the Falcons overall, to me, I, I see another losing season. You, Five, six wins, tops.
2: Right. I mean, you're putting them in that category. You, yeah. This, I don't have a problem with it. These are Sessler's worst six teams in the league. Falcons, Titans, Bills, Cowboys, Raiders, and Texans. So that's the company that the Falcons— They're the keeping.
3: only one with a— Oh, the Cowboys and the Falcons are the
2: only ones with real quarterbacks who you don't see having success. Well, So why why do you disagree so much then? You see Atlanta as more of a middle-of-the-pack team.
3: Because if they had Julio Jones last year, they would have been middle-of-the-pack. Middle I mean, forget all the rest of the injuries they had. If they had only Julio Jones, they would have been middle-of-the-pack last year. They have him back. Roddy White's healthy and looks phenomenal from everything we've heard out of their camp. Um, I think their offense will be good. I think... They improved both sides of the line more than any team in the NFL this offseason, and I totally buy that they're a much much tougher team. They have a backbone, which they've needed for half a decade now.
2: A lot of times, though, when you change lines that dramatically, it looks good on paper, especially the offensive line. It doesn't really work out that well.
3: Okay. A lot <laughs> of times they do. I, I'm confident that they have rebuilt this one in a good way.
2: Well, I actually am much closer to you, Chris. I, I see them as a middle-of-the-pack team and because of Matt Ryan because any team that I know their offense is going to be good and I tend to think their offense is going to be good I'll just give them the benefit of the doubt because defense is a lot more unpredictable and they look terrible on paper on defense but you see a lot more terrible defensive teams on paper get a little lucky you know what I mean and just be middle of the pack at least or be the 20th defense in the league
1: and I think Mike Smith will be a coordinator for uh, the Tampa Bay organization next year all right, Mike Smith, poor guy. Well. All
2: right, moving over to the AFC. Let's pick another team where we disagree. Mark, you have the Ravens as a middle-of-the-pack team. Chris really likes them, number eight in his rankings. That really surprised me.
3: I have the Steelers and Ravens just about neck-and-neck neck as the team in the AFC right behind the Patriots and the Broncos. And the Ravens, I feel like their defense was pretty good last year, top-ten defense. They probably got just a little bit better this year there, and they got a lot better on offense. I expect them and the Redskins to have the most improved offenses in the league. I really liked what I saw from them in the preseason opener. I think is an excellent fit for Kubiak's boot action scheme, and I think the running backs are better fits for that scheme too.
1: I had them at fifteen and the AFC North and for many, many years, which was dominated by Baltimore and Pittsburgh, and you know, Cincinnati obviously a much tougher out in the last three seasons, but their records were often inflated by playing a Cleveland team that sat down, they swept them over and over, and Cincinnati often has had trouble in its own division. Andy Dalton has a lower completion percentage against the AFC North than Brandon Wheaton did. So I think that's going to change a little bit this year, and Baltimore is going to be tested by its own division a little bit more than it was last season and in the past. I had them at fifteenth; that could still be an eight and eight record. Sure. So I don't see. I still I see what Chris sees. Um, I don't think it's going to go as smoothly as he predicts. But fifteenth is middle of the pack, and that's what I there. That's where I have the Ravens.
2: I mean, eighth is is aggressive. You not only have them fourth in the conference and ahead of teams like the Colts and. The- Chargers Bengals who are pretty talented but you know well ahead of some talented NFC teams like the Cards the Bears Lions Eagles the Ravens kind of remind me of the Falcons discussion we just have Chris that you're probably putting some faith in the organizational DNA essentially that we've seen this team be so consistent which is not a bad way to go no that that we do we just have faith for instance in Mike Smith and Thomas Dimitroff and Matt Ryan in Atlanta, or Faith and John Harbaugh and Joe Flacco and Ozzie Newsom in Baltimore, that these, this is the type of organization that's going to be good year after year, and that last year was an anomaly.
3: That's part of it. That's part of it. But when you compare them to teams like the Cardinals, I don't think the Cardinals are more talented than the Ravens. I think the Ravens are a better team
2: top to bottom than the Cardinals. I would disagree with that. Although... Do you think the Ravens just wildly underachieved last year? Why why do you think I they... think it's
3: pretty easy to pinpoint where their season went wrong. It starts on the offensive line, it goes to the running game, and it extends to Flacco because by the end of the season Flacco had no one to throw to, no offensive line to block for him, and no running game to take the pressure off. They
1: always want to be a running team. And I feel like they fixed
2: all of that this offseason. Well, you see the division really going back to what it was a few years ago cuz you have the Steelers And Ravens at the top, not only at the top of the division, but top eight teams in the NFL. But you have the Cleveland Browns down at number 27. Poor Mark Sessler. If he's sitting here watching the 27th best team week after week, could be an ornery Sessler. A lot of Monday mornings. There
1: is reasons for – I had Cleveland at 14.
2: That's a huge gap, 27 to 14. That's a huge
1: gap. And people say, oh, it's Manziel. I think their offense is going to struggle. But their defense, if we want to look at talk about it, changes that have been made, additions over the last few years, they've built what is a defense that doesn't have a hole. There isn't a position group that you say, wow, there's, they, they are really, really low. Barring injuries, Cleveland's going to be in football games. They were in a bunch last year that went the wrong way, and the season went south. They were 4-4 at one point. Again, 14 is not 12-4. and four. It's a middle of the pack. That's where I have them. Be their twi- best
2: season in a long time. It would be, but it wouldn't. It doesn't
1: need to be a great season. 27 is aggressive. You have, to, you have <laughs> to view both sides of the ball as sort of a travesty to go 27th in the league.
3: 27 isn't aggressive at all. That's where I would think most people have the Browns because that's what they've been. And at the bottom of the list, this is how the NFL works. That's where you put your teams that don't have quarterbacks. They don't have a quarterback. Well, we don't know so that they have, don't have a quarterback. You have in no hope
2: that Manziel is going to be good this year, or at least if they okay. don't even
3: know if he's the answer right now, how can I put him? Mm. Like, how can I put the Browns high up
1: if they don't know if they have a quarterback? Well, historically, I can't argue with what you're saying at all, Chris. But, but I, but think- you're far
2: less optimistic on Manziel now than you were three or four months ago. You, you thought he would be a game changer.
3: I still think if they let him play, he will. But yeah, I mean he. I, I, need, I need to see him in Monday night's game. but
1: You know what? I, I think that it will be somewhere between where Chris and I pick. That's probably where it will be, I'm which a, is not impressive.
2: I'm much closer to Mark on this, that I see the division all jumbled up. I think the Browns are competitive each and every week with that defense. And Mike Pettin and the pieces that they added, that could be a top-five defense. It wouldn't surprise me that much if the AFC North has all four teams in the mix with three weeks to go in the season. And maybe the Browns only win seven games or eight games, but the, on paper, I, I know it's easy to say on paper, there aren't many defenses better than that. I think they're a lot more talented. On paper, there aren't many offenses worse than that. That's fair, and that's but that but I think that evens out, and I think Mike Pettin is a good enough defensive coach. To, to but make quarterback true means to, more than defense. I like Kyle Shanahan as a coordinator, too. In general, everywhere he's been, he's created yards. Well, And, and, and the Hoyer argument doesn't make sense to me because even if he does start week one, it's like it's just a matter of time. What's, it's not a big difference in the scheme of things between week three and week one. It's not a Hoyer argument. It's a quarterback argument. So even it, if
3: Manziel's a pretty good rookie, rookie quarterbacks don't generally win games in the NFL. They might keep you in them, but they don't generally win them.
1: One X, X factor we haven't brought up, though, because the NFL is deciding that it's not going to rule on this until about 2027, that we don't know what's up with Josh Gordon. I mean, That's some have true. called it an all-or-nothing argument, where he's either out for the year, which I think that that cripples their offense, no argument there. But if he's back, you've got him and Jordan Cameron, you've got a good offensive line, they've redone the backfield, and you've got Andrew Hawkins and Miles Austin it's not a terrible offense on paper at that point if Gordon is somehow cleared. It's a lot of ifs. It is a lot of ifs, but we're if we're assuming Gordon's gone for the year, he could be back midway through. That's true. I think that the best
2: they could hope for is that it'll be reduced and he maybe misses half the season. Right. It's crazy that we still don't know about Josh Gordon and Alden Smith that surprises me because their situation seemingly were over in a week or two. I'm not sure what the holdup is, but you, you would figure we're going to find out in the next week, I would think, before cutdown day. Uh, so we disagreed on the Browns. I'm much closer to Mark. I could see them being very frisky. Uh, we all kind of love the Steelers. Th- these are some of the teams, by the way, we agreed on. We all kind of love the Steelers. The Chargers got a lot of love. The Cardinals, for the most part, got a lot of love. But let's talk about another team – in the NFC that we disagree on. And to talk about that team, let's get on their biggest fan, Kevin Patra. Zach, can we call up Mr. Patra?
1: Yep, just uh, give me his number. Okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right, we've got Kevin Patra on the line. He doesn't even know why we have him. We're just going to ambush him with the news that the Detroit Lions were one of the teams we disagreed on the most in our power ranking predictions, whatever. Kevin, you actually were in the middle of the pack of us, but I I wanted to bring you in for this discussion because Chris Wesseling was surprisingly high on the Detroit Lions, had him number eleven overall, fifth in the NFC, so a playoff team. Whereas Mark Sessler had him pretty low, nineteenth overall, eleventh in the NFC. Out of out of those two, Patra, which do you think would be more right?
4: What should I go with, my heart or my head? <laughs> well, combine them. Go with, well, with what's I right. 15th. I had them fifteenth. That's pretty much where I ended up, right in the middle. Uh, I think there's a lot of question marks. We still haven't seen whether the defense can, can step up last year and in that division, he can't play defense. I mean, they're going to be in shootouts, and we know Matthew Stafford has one shootout. Is there a chance that against good teams? Is there a chance that coaching staff is awful, like
2: really awful? Two first-time coordinators. Jim Caldwell, who directed the worst offensive performance in Baltimore Ravens history last year. Is there, like, any chance it just totally falls apart? I, I'm so confused about this team. I'm serious. I,
4: I, I'm not, I would be more concerned about the coordinator's lack of experience because I don't, I don't think Caldwell is going to be calling many of the shots. I mean, they brought Lombardi in to bring in the New Orleans system. So unless it completely falls apart in the beginning, which after, you know, the one series we saw them in the first preseason, we didn't. They looked, up, they looked pretty good. Golden Tate had a good route. They look all right. West, but unless it falls apart, I don't think Caldwell's going to have much stay in it. So it's pretty much going to be on the two coordinators. And the defensive line is still pretty much going to play the exact same way they did last year. And if they don't improve, I don't see much on the back.
3: Wes, why are you so high on them? Brought this up on a recent podcast. I remember early last year how high several of us were on their offense because defenses could not stop Reggie Bush and Calvin Johnson when they are on the same field together. Bush got injured. Some other things happened. They lost some receivers, and the offense kind of went down a wormhole. But now you bring in Golden Tate, who I think any of our longtime listeners know I'm very high on, and I think he's a very good number two. You bring in Eric Ebron, who was compared to Vernon Davis for his receiving abilities. You can't double-team or triple-team Calvin Johnson anymore. You can't double-team Reggie Bush out of the backfield. You've got Joyke Bell. You've got Theo Riddick. I think you have a lot more weapons this year, and if it means we don't see Chris Durham and Ryan Broyles and Kevin Ogletree, I think you have one of the best offenses in the NFL. Woo! There's you can't really double team too many guys on this. I mean, they are gonna be there's gonna be some great matchup for the Lions this
1: year. I have them I think, at. Go ahead, Kevin.
4: No, well, I was gonna say I think Golden Tate is the key of, of all of that. I think Ebron's gonna come along, along slowly. fully. We haven't heard great things about his play so far. So I think he's going to be one of those guys, if he makes a jump, it's going to be in the second half of the season, which where we've seen them blow up in the last couple of years.
3: I think some of that on Ebron, beat writers overrate dropped passes because that's really – they don't understand all the nuances of football. So it becomes obvious when a player drops a pass that that's a mistake.
0: Well, I, I don't
4: care if Ebron's dropping the first, passes. In the, second, in the preseason game, he didn't look like he wasn't sharp. He has trouble blocking. There's still some question marks. You can ask Lions fans thousand. if drop passes
2: are overrated at the tight end position because Brandon Pettigrew has probably cost him three <laughs> or four games on his own. Well, I
3: think it, if you compile a bunch over uh, several seasons in a row, that's not overrated. But seeing one practice and uh, got dropped a couple passes, that tends to be overrated. Mark, you seem down on the
1: Lions. I'm not down on them. I mean, honestly, I picked them 19th. There's not that much difference between the 12th and 19th team. I've got them third in the division. I think Chicago will outplay them, and I have Green Bay winning the division. That division's going to eat itself up. You know, a, a lot of this that we're talking about over, you know, Stafford's got the numbers. We don't question that. I just I, I, I think it's easy at this point to look at the team on paper and say they're going to have a field day. I'm not ready to call Eric Ebron... Uh, Vernon Davis yet, I need to see some of this happen on the field, Theo Riddick was out of the Browns game in two plays, got his ass kicked, it's like, well no, I'm sorry but some of this is off season. there's a lot yeah. of reason for hope but then the games start And Detroit, to me, is the the third team in that division. I don't think that's even that negative. I think there will be a good football team that comes in third and just misses the playoffs again.
2: It's probably the consensus. And they're the team where if we made these rankings at various points in the offseason, my ranking would have changed. At one point, I thought, I'm picking the Lions to the playoffs. I was right on the edge of doing it last year, and I went with the Panthers, which worked out. But I was thinking maybe the Lions are a playoff team this year because I do think they're talented enough but the longer I've thought about it and sat with it, now I could see them being last place in that division. What, Part of the job is you changed? have to
1: stop other teams. I don't know. With your I, defense.
2: I think we just sit around and talk about it too much. That I should you should go with your first gut probably, but it's we've just been living with this without any real new game information for so long that I just kind of it's the coaching staff that basically starting to freak me out. We need a, a patcher prediction here prediction? Yeah, what do, what do you have, got for them, them this year?
4: I have them right where Mark has them. And third, I think they'll I have them one game behind the Bears because I don't think they can win those last two games. I think they'll be on the precipice, but they have play at Chicago and at Green Bay, and they can't win in cold weather on the road. They can't win Green Bay, period. And I don't see them winning in Chicago late in the season either, and I think those last two games are going to end it for them.
2: All right, August 15th, 2000 and what year is it again? 14, 14. Is 14th. It's the 14th year of
1: the two thousand. Part you know, of the decade.
2: You know you have problem. I really, at different points, have are am not aware of how old I am. Does that ever happen to you? You forget what your age is? I don't believe or that's ever happened to me. That's happened to me. Mark? Am I the, I'm on an island on this one, I guess. I do,
1: not ca- I do not care what my age is. I don't even know what like, age is Like, someone will
2: ask, and I'll have to think hard about it. Uh, but anyways, it, we're marking down this day because that's the drop we're going to use, Kevin, when the Lions surprise everyone and make the playoffs. And we'll point it out. You never had any faith to
4: begin with. <laughs> I'm. That's. I hope. I hope to God it happens. I hope I'm completely wrong.
3: (laughs) Then you won't be allowed to root for
4: them. (laughs) All right, Kevin.
2: uh, We'll talk to you next time. Thanks. Thanks for chiming in. All
4: right, Paul. Appreciate
2: it. All right, we're going to wrap up with a a very quick speed round of another couple teams that uh, we disagreed on. Uh, Let's talk about the Eagles a little bit, Wes. You had them down at 17th. That's lower than the rest of the group. I I was pretty close to you. I see them as a middle-of-the-pack NFL team. Patrick had them up number seven. Sessler likes them too. Why do you seem relatively down on the Eagles? They got extremely lucky last year, like historically lucky.
3: They lost fewer games to injury than any team in the league uh, by football outsiders' measurements that first-place team generally goes to 15th the next year in, in games lost to injury. Now it's possible Chip Kelly has hit on some formula to handle soft tissue injuries that the rest of the league doesn't have or to prevent them. But uh, Smoothies. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I should not underestimate personalized smoothies. Uh, and they also, turnover battle, they finish near the top in that, and that tends to regress toward the middle of the pack as well, I feel like they're going to be a lot more unlucky this year. Yeah, you've got a surprise uh, NFC East champion. Well, 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 going by the Greg Rosenthal mandate that you can't have just the same playoff teams <laughs> as last year, I had to work the Redskins in as my NFC
1: East Well, I don't East think it's week. that don't, surprising. Don't blame it on
2: me. You can do whatever you want. You're a grown man. You're
1: picking the team that <laughs> won it
2: two years ago. That's not a shock. N- none of these teams would be a shock. And that's why I kind of had the Eagles in the middle of the pack, even if I think they're the best of the, bad, the, the bunch in that division that – they all seem – they're like the low-grade AFC North. The, the AFC North, to me, is all mixed together and no one stands out, but they're intriguing, whereas the NFC East is a bunch of teams mixed together and they're lousy.
1: You know, last year, everyone didn't take the Eagles seriously. They underrated them. I picked them to win the division. I was going to say, except for you, Greg, and you got some, you got some uh, kudos for that. <laughs> but now it's happening again. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to win the division. I could see that.
2: I disagreed with you guys on the Saints.
1: Who do you trust in more? Jay Gruden or Chip Kelly? That's a fair point.
2: <laughs> <laughs> can I change my answer? I can't wait till there are videos in video cameras taping in here so our listeners can see the look of absolute disdain and pleasure on <laughs> Sessler's face as he made that point. It was like Jay Gruden was in the room. Well, that it,
1: factors in. Who's running the show? <laughs>
2: It's a fair point. I'm, it's not
1: I'm, just you know names on the roster and analytics and coaches' names on the
2: roster. The Redskins are a rare team, uh, and some people probably fairly or unfairly due to this to the Browns that it's just the organization that I just assume everything they do will go wrong because they haven't proven me wrong on that. And the, a lot of the same pieces that are. That were in place before for the Redskins struggling are still in place now. A confusing power vacuum where you don't know who's exactly picking the players. Some free agent big name pickups. That, I don't know. Concerning. I'm not with it. Uh, another team we disagreed on, and we'll we'll wrap up with this one. The Saints. You guys had them
1: number one in the league. We both did.
2: Yeah. High See, five.
1: Who cares about all the riffraff below? It's up top. We both see New Orleans for what they are this year's Super Bowl champion.
2: Yeah, not, not a huge shock that a lot of agreement in the top five in general. Saints, Seahawks, Broncos, uh, Packers. You know, in, on most lists, the Patriots and 49ers weren't far behind or they were even in the top five. I didn't have the Saints that high. I don't think they're a great team. I, don't, I think they're a good team, but I don't see them as a top eight sort of team. I
3: can't wait until the Super Bowl parade when Mark and I are invited onto the float. I like that. Watt riding a wave of euphoria, and Greg, New Orleans' favorite son, just kicked to the curb because he had no faith in them whatsoever. He'll
1: be forced to uh, maybe write a story on it from Culver City. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. Number one, their defense. We've, ha- we've talked that- a lot about their defense. They're doing some exciting stuff with their safeties. Rob Ryan, total redemption story. You want to talk about trusting a team. I'll always trust Sean Payton with this offense and Drew Brees. I'm not sure what they're what's not to like about New Orleans. Yeah. I
2: hear you. Well, the health of their secondary. We don't know for sure if Jerris is going to be ready for week 1 and yeah, week 1's overrated look, in August. I agree with that. That they're a little thin at cornerback. I think they did as well as they possibly could have on defense last year. They're not getting better on defense. They
3: lost a lot more games to injury on defense last year than they will this year probably because they lost a ton of games to injury on defense last year. I think they're a lot healthier now, and they finished fourth in defense in Rob Ryan's
2: first year. And they held training camp at a swank resort in in, in West Virginia. We are
1: going to lose some games to injury when Dan sees the runtime of this uh, particular (laughs) podcast.
2: I was going to wrap it up on your great dig on me stuck in Culver City for the Super Bowl, (laughs) but you went on. All right, that's it. Uh, Zach, it's been great to have you here. We'll have you back on Monday. Until then, I'm Greg Rosenthal signing off for Mark Sessler, Chris Wesseling, Kevin Patra, and Dan Hansis in Obsession.